1: And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership podcast brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for change makers who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says every single conversation counts. Every one of them is the opportunity to learn about others, ourselves and the world we live in. And joining me on today's show is Danielle Dobson. Danielle, she is a natural code breaker she's curious she's open and experimental and she helps people to see acknowledge and build their personal agency well that is what fuels her She's a founder of her own business she's a lead parent of three boys and she brings her corporate experience her inner detective and her focus on human flourishing to her mission which is to build more gender balance in the business world in families and across our communities. Now, specifically on today's show, Danielle is going to share why acceptance is the antidote to overwhelm and burnout. She's going to talk about how it is crucial to build our self-knowledge and our self-knowledge data bank and work out what is at the core of who we are as well as that our most valuable asset, guess what that is? It's not our it is our energy and it's not our time. So all of this she's gonna talk about today. Welcome to the show, Danielle.
0: Thanks, Emery. Oh wow, thanks so much for that fantastic intro. Love it. Thank oh, you. Look, I,
1: love, I love everything that you stand for and the, and what you're going to talk about today, but I just want to give you a, a bit of an um, opportunity just to share your background. It's, it's always good to hear a little bit about the leadership background that you've had and really what's what has been impactful that has led you down the journey to where you are today, sharing this message. So the floor's yours. Love to hear your story. Oh, great. Wow. Gosh, gotcha.
0: it's one of those things. It's like, where do I start? Um, <laughs> it's everything. Like you mentioned, every conversation counts. Every um, opportunity and experience counts. And I guess the most impacting um, experiences that I had was when I was younger, uh, being a code breaker, Uh, like you mentioned, playing AFL footy, um, getting, uh, advocating for girls wearing pants at school, um, not wearing a white communion dress for for the Catholic sacrament when everyone else did. I think I I wanted to... um, not be like everyone else, but be liked by everyone else. And so that took me on all sorts of, I guess, adventures. I ended up uh, working as a corporate accountant in finance uh, from CPA to private practice in four, well, five countries in total. Um, And that really helped me deepen my perspective of different people, Um, setting up a home, um, building community in in countries, and two of them were non-English speaking. So that really contributed. But I think the biggest thing that has contributed to exactly where I am today speaking to you is the research project that I conducted over two years, interviewing women who are leading at home and also, uh, or leading at work, sorry, and also leading at home as lead parents. Because I was in that same situation myself. And I wanted to understand what is it about being a professional working mother that's so hard? You know, Where did all this pressure come from and in the expectations? So I was set about interviewing women who, who were seem to be working well and, and doing it well um, in all their spheres. And I interviewed senior leaders in organisations, CEOs, CIOs, CFOs. I covered science, journalism, politics, not-for-profit, IT, uh, engineering, petrochemicals, big boys for every kind of area. And I also interviewed a few men as well. And what I discovered was... You know, completely life changing, and that led to the book that that I wrote, and then my work beyond that. So I think that was the biggest impact that I had. What I learnt from that um, that research pro- project and the process.
1: It's interesting that you you said about you know as a young child breaking the rules. I I recall we always had to wear uniforms, and this was at high school. I refused. I made my own uniform, and you know what? The teachers never said anything. I don't know why. I mean, I wore clothes, but They yeah, it's just it was different. And and so my question to you, and it, it's interesting. I'm kind of thinking it's not that my parents actually ever said, you know, break those rules. But what was it for you? Was that just something that your parents uh, did you see that happening in their lives? Why do we do it this way? Can we do it better? Tell us a little bit about what happened in your background that that has nurtured it because some of us can relate to what you said.
0: That's a, that's an awesome question and I have thought about this a bit like what, how did how did that happen? I'm the eldest girl and only girl of two boys. My mum was one of six brothers. She had a sister. And my mum, I guess she, she was a code breaker too, but she was probably a frustrated code breaker. She wanted to break the the code, but she was the eldest. And so her mother relied on her a lot, you know, with eight children. And so I think my mum wanted me to be able to, um, you know, break the rules or, or be who I was. And then also I was in a very male dominated environment. And my th- the things that I was doing uh, in my spare time were kicking the footy on the road with my brothers, playing cricket, riding bikes, being outdoors, and and connecting with with nature. Be- you know, building cubbies, all of those sort of things. So I lived in uh, the Yarra Valley in Victoria. So I think my my parents and my mum in particular nurturing that kind of uh, connection with nature and and moving, and then also. She was, she is very strong on not allowing men and boys to take charge. So she encouraged that in me and she, and the interesting thing is she wouldn't be an advocate and she never has been, but she's an incredible supporter for my dad with all of his advocacy things that he does. And she's been, and she supported me too. So she's played that, that brilliant support role. And I think that has given me the, the foundation and the courage to just think, well, why can't I play AFL? Why do I have to wear a dress? And and that sort of nurtured that curiosity in me, like us stepping back and saying, you know, "Why is it like that? And can we do something different?" Yeah. And I and I guess that's I that's probably actually, what it is. is
1: doing it, isn't it? It's and I think that's yeah. when you look at people who are kind of the rule breakers, um, it almost becomes like this it's hard to describe because if it's just in you but it's good to be able to to share a little bit more because you know just because something happens a certain way doesn't mean that we have to follow why does this happen we heard of that 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 analogy where you know a, a mother was t- teaching her child how to make um what was it a roast and she would cut off the sides of the roast in the pan and 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 one day her daughter said why do we do that she said i don't know we have to ask your grandmother If you heard that? And then when they asked grandmother, they thought, here comes this family story, and grandma says, well, I did it because my pan was small and the the thing (laughs) there. And here's, you know, it's been passed on from generation to generation. Why do we need to do that? Let's talk a little bit, because I think this whole thread of what we're talking about can beautifully um, intertwine into everything that you're going to be talking about today. But thinking specifically, you know, acceptance is the antidote uh, to overwhelm and burnout. What do you mean by that? And how does it relate to some of the things we've already been talking about today? This That's a really great question, because
0: that took me, I don't know, 40 something years to, to recognise. And, um, you know, a lot of fighting reality, I guess. So so wanting to you know be in charge and be in control. And I don't see being in control as a dirty word. I, I think, you know, we all seek to have agency over what we do. So I, th- I think that's fine and that's OK. Uh, but I think what, what I realised is I was using a lot of unnecessary energy that I needed to raise my boys and build my business on fighting what was, you know, my, my environment and my, um, uh, you know, situation of their dad living in China. So, you know, doesn't see them. And so realizing that I was wasting all of this energy, precious energy on fighting reality. So when, when we actually, and I, I discovered that when we actually accept our environment and who we are, then we can actually, you know, build confidence in who we are and bring the best of who we are to everything to do. And in those moments when we're feeling like the pressure is just too much, we can access our like our mental clarity and our our thoughts and our our you know strategy you know ways of um, building you know coming up with strategies and and processes. But if we're clouded by fighting, then when it's not going to be a good outcome. And you know what? It actually, one of the biggest things that, that um, the biggest, uh, I guess, impactful um, experiences was when I had my third son. So it took three pregnancies for me to not fight the process of labour right. because, you know, accepting that this is pain, this is healthy pain, it's going to go away rather than, you know, fighting. It's one of those messages we see on movies and, you um, you know, television programs, the dramatic element of that. And that's all That's all fighting, you know, what is. But going with it and accepting, yeah, it's going to hurt and it's painful, but there's going to be, a, you know, another side to this and there's going to be baby on the other side. Yeah. That that really helped me too. So, yeah, so it's accepting rather than fighting.
1: Yeah, and, and as you're sharing that, I mean, some of the, the things, the experiences and the environments we may find ourselves, I think sometimes it is also looking at well what do we have control over what areas can we impact and then focusing on that rather than as you said so often we focus on things that we really can't control focus on the things that we can control and as you said often it is how we're reacting and how we're responding case Mm. and example being in lockdown again we cannot Mm. control that but Mm. we certainly in control how it lets us, how it impacts us, how it affects us. What would you say even in a workplace environment, whether we're running our own business or whether we're in in corporate, there are always going to be circumstances. So if someone can see that they do react to the situation and it has been impacting them, what are some things that you did initially to help you stop, take check, and then be able to move forward in a better way. Let's share some insights so that some others can start to use some of those principles to help them to stop rather than reacting but respond in a better, more empowering way.
0: Yeah, and this is crucial. I'm so glad you asked this question because absolutely we can just respond in that situation. But what I found was really, really helpful is noticing our thoughts. So, So trying to create distance between how we're thinking and feeling and who we are. And maybe that sounds a little bit um, woo-woo sometimes, but just asking the question or or just kind of narrating, I guess, I notice that I'm getting, you know, that my stomach's getting in knots and I'm getting a headache. I notice that I'm getting tension in, you know, my shoulders or or my neck. I notice that I'm feeling blah, blah, blah. creating that difference and kind of narrating how you're thinking and then you're actually creating a distance between between your thoughts and feelings and who you are. And then the bigger the, the distance that you can create, the, the, the more that you can detach from that, those emotions and those feelings, and the more that you can think and accept and then access your clarity. Uh, and I think that's been the biggest, you know, most impactful exercise for me. And what that is, is it's a muscle build so it doesn't mean you do it and then you're done it's something that you've got to keep doing and building into a practice and you you know i find i react sometimes i've got a 14 year old boy but a teenager and a couple more on the way and um there's some really triggering and challenging moments but but if i have if i set myself a goal like if one out of three i can you know respond rather than react and I'm building that muscle. So it's creating distance between your thoughts and feelings and who you are so that you know that you have, you know, it's taking that observer sort of curiosity, um, approach.
1: Brilliant. Um, and once you do that, you're able then to take that breath, aren't you? And to look at things uh, with a little bit more insight, I think. And also too, you know, so often what h- ends up happening is when we are in that stress situation, and we do feel that we can't control, and and we're really giving that voice then secondary negative emotions and things can often happen. You know, the shame, the anger, you know, all of that because I should be saying something like that and I should be able to do do that and then it just ends up just spiralling. So I love that. Distance yourself and then from there, what can you do differently? What do you have control over? And even if it is, well, I can't control that but I can change the way that I'm going to allow me myself to feel and then from there move forward. Love, love, love that. Let's talk about being um it, it being so crucial that we do build our self-knowledge data bank and work out mm-hmm. what is the core of who we are. Would you say mm-hmm. that we're getting to a stage where that's better now or many of us still haven't really fully explored built that self-knowledge data bank where are we on the scale of knowing really well and maybe having a little bit more journey to go on this
0: I think that's that's a brilliant question and what I would say is everyone's on that different point on the on the continuum but if I was going to make an overall um like assumption I would say that in general we are getting better I think every generation gets better I think um you know we talk we've talked a lot you know, we talk a lot in, in our, you know, general, I guess, narrative, a lot, you know, not everyone, but about self-awareness and and self-awareness and, and you know, the experts may um, argue with me here, but self-awareness is a really great skill to have, uh, you know, to, to reflect, to be curious and be self-aware. So I think we're getting there. But I think the next step to that is the self-awareness around who you are, and building self-knowledge. I think that's kind of the action and the implementation, you know, that will help you with the execution of strategy. So building a self-knowledge data bank or a database or whatever you want to call it, because when you have the self-knowledge about your strengths, your attributes, how you contribute and the value that you contribute to your family, to your business, to your community, to the world, when you use that self-knowledge data bank, you can use that as a place to come from. And when you understand what's at the core of who you are, so that really important thing that's important to you, and it may not be something in the external world, it may be something like uh, courage, it may be hope, it may be growth, you know, the thing that's really important to you and knowing, you know, how you use that and um, with your self-knowledge data bank, you can use that as like a platform and a compass to do everything and that helps us to then then we're in every situation we find ourselves in we know what we can tap into and it, and it goes back to a little bit of what you were saying earlier on Anne-Marie about um, looking at what we do have so rather than seeing you know the the skills gap that we need to fill and the interesting thing is the skills gap is probably I don't know five percent but what we do have is 90 so why not use that to bridge any you know developmental or skills gaps rather than just focusing on the skills gap you know that tiny little gap so the more that we know about ourselves and build that self-knowledge the the better we're able to face challenging situations the better we're able to obtain flow the better we're going to be able to show up in all of our relationships so yes. that's why it's important
1: as you sharing that, I'm reminded of many conversations that I had with people when I was working in the career space. And so often I'd hear they'd come to me because they hated their job. And when I'd say, well, what specifically do you hate? I hate everything about my job. And I'll say, everything? Let's unpack that. And then we did go through and, and, well, do you hate that? Well, actually, I do enjoy that. And we were able to narrow that down. But so often when we don't have that self-knowledge data bank, we're not able to recognise that there's certain environments that do cause us to be a little bit more overwhelmed and burned out because they're not a natural skill for us and we have to adapt and if we're over adapting all the time we can wear out and feel overwhelmed we can also look at our colleagues or people working in other businesses similar businesses at us and admire them but that that admiration can turn into comparison and as we know comparison can cripple particularly if we haven't recognized the gifts, the talents, the skills, the strengths, you know, that that we have, what would you say to someone that can recognise that they have not really um, built up that self-knowledge data bank? Where is a good place to start?
0: I think there are some really easy ways to step into this, you know, by yourself, um, you know, without the help of a, a coach or an advocate or a, someone else, like an external person, you can start just by doing those strength surveys, like those online strength surveys. So Gallup has one, VIA strength surveys have one, and on and this is if you if you're really at the starting point. So understanding more about your strengths and getting a little bit of insight into those. Uh, some some organisations um, conduct fantastic uh, strengths, you know surveys and or um, you know programs. So I always and it's funny. I think it's the um, the hope and the Pollyanna in me (laughs) I always like to start with what's working well so what's working really well so the online surveys asking yourself questions like um when I'm doing you know x like my favorite thing you know how am I feeling you know what what's going on for me what is it about that thing that I love um I guess and and asking questions to be honest the best way is, is to have someone else asking you questions um if you're not uh, if you don't have experience in this area, it's just tiny, like, foundational things. So start off with your strength, strengths and looking at what you do do well in in all your roles. I think that's, and, the, and then asking why, what is that? What's that linked to? Uh, like like you mentioned, um, you know, drilling down and unpacking it a little bit more um, and understanding, you know, just kind of, it, it, and you know what, it's a, it is a process because for me I actually thought that what was at the core of who I was, was health and well-being. That was the most important thing to me. But then after speaking to other other women and doing this research project and keeping on drilling down, I found that it was growth. And the interesting thing is I find that a lot of people that I work with, a lot of um, high achieving women, high performing women, lifelong learners, that's usually what's at the heart of who they are growth. And then you can see, in everything they do, how they're coming from that um, core, that, that internal compass of growth. So it might be being on, on a committee for, for something. It may be taking on extra in their corporation. It might be doing more courses for their, um, their business or, you know, doing something like this, you know, podcasts and, you know, but it's all because of that. That, what's at the heart of them and the core of them is around growth and when you know that you can accept yourself and what you do a lot more easily.
1: <laughs> I love that you've shared that because you can imagine then if someone who is really what motivates them at the core is growth one of the reasons why they may start to feel that even their business or in, in their, their work if they're in corporate starting to feel a bit lackluster and the excitement mm is not there as it was previously maybe Mm. that's because opportunities of growth and learning are just not there anymore Mm. and once we know we can then start to invite those we can say hey I would love to learn more what can I learn you know where can I grow these are all really important look this brings up to the last point that you wanting to talk about today, Danielle, and that is where you say our most valuable asset is not our time, but our energy. And that fits beautifully Mm -hmm. in what we're just talking about energy. Can Mm -hmm. you describe what you mean about energy? And then what are some things we need to know about this? Mm, This is great. This was a
0: real eye opener for me uh, when I understood this. So, um, I, in between everything else I did I was a personal trainer for for a little bit and I was working with women who when we were living in here in Australia but also in Beijing and I noticed um, these high performing expat women who were working at embassies they were working they're partners of accounting firms they were um, doing all these incredible things um, but they they weren't committing to to regular exercise as much as they wanted they weren't eating all that well they were, you know, working a lot. Um, and I I, really, I was really curious about it because the, the equation approach of, you know, calories in, you know, exercise, uh, sleep and recovery, all those things you learn about, um, they just weren't applying to these women. They were still achieving incredible things. And so I looked deeper into it and I went and looked at, the, you know, traditional, you know, Chinese ways of um, you know, Taoism and, and looking at, at how we've, approach life and being in sync with nature. And this opened up a whole can of worms around and this whole other way of looking at energy, because if we look at every single, th- if, if we, if you just um, take a leap and come along with me, okay, with, with this next bit, but if you look at everything that happens in our body, every single thing takes energy, every single um, cell creation, every single, you know, movement, and if we think about that in terms of our thoughts as well so every single thought takes energy from our body you know we need energy to have thoughts to have emotions so if we're using our energy on you know a thought around i oh, i did a really crap job at that we need to assert an opposing and opposite thought oh no I, I did okay and that takes energy too to get to some sort of middle ground so understanding that every single thing that we do, every thought, every emotion, everything in our body takes energy, it's much easier to think about how am I going to use that wisely and am I going to do things and think things that fuel my energy or am I going to do things that drain my energy? And I guess for me, with all of my responsibilities and having to or wanting to fit everything in the day, energy is where I start. So even conversations with people, is that conversation gonna drain my energy or is it gonna give me energy? Cause I need every little bit of energy that I've got to do what I need to do. So coming from, and then it becomes less about time and the scarcity things, because energy, it does deplete if you don't renew it. But if you're doing things that are fueling your energy, you can keep the energy, um, you know the battery Bigger.
1: So I'm hoping that people are more aware of this now. I mean, uh again, drawing back from the career space, you know, one of the certifications that I needed to study was MBTI, my Briggs type mm-hmm. mm-hmm. realize that Introverts and extroverts. People often think it's to do with shyness, and there there may be that introverts are a little bit more hesitant in stepping forward. But that's because we're analysing what's going on, and you know we know our place to how we can contribute. We don't just, you know, I better just keep my mouth shut before I. <laughs> but anyway, where that really plays is energy in and energy out, and introverts. And I'm an extroverted introvert. In front of a mm-hmm. mind. I'm fine but there's a level of energy and then like this is the last interview and when I finish I'll be hand signing to my family you know I've done yes. my quota for the week but mm-hmm. it is it's I have to be mindful about where I'm recuperating my energy and I think that's what you're saying too there is a finite amount of energy that we have every day are we continuing to surround ourselves put ourselves in environments in situations that will continue to energise us? And there may be some expending of energy for certain tasks, but are we also putting that energy in and energy out? Would yeah. you say that uh, we we still, want once we realise that, we're going to be far more mindful of the things that we do, we say yes to, the activities that we, you know, that, that we say yes to? When we start to think more about, is this going to energise me? and give Mm -hmm. me time to be able to recruit Mm -hmm. if we compare it to just looking at a time equation.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And actually there's an exercise in my book, um, perfect for for exactly your question, was adapted from uh, Rich Lipman. he's a coach in in the US. And he he came up with this very simple exercise. So you get a sheet of paper, uh, I've got three columns, and you think about people, places, habits, thoughts, language that give you energy, that drain your energy, and then that are neutral. So what gives you energy? Oh, I guess I got to, what gives you energy on, on the right, uh, what drains your energy on the left and all the other things that are neutral. And then you go through all that process of thinking of people, places, habits, thoughts, uh, uh, language, and and write them down in what in the column. That um, they apply to for your for your life, and then things that are neutral in the middle, you want to get them to either a drain or um, some or fuel, and that's a really. I, I did this practice for over you know a couple of weeks, and it's a really great way to understand and just have a think about where you're putting your energy, in general, and then what you know the effects of that, whether it's draining you or giving you energy or if it's just neutral. Uh, so it really helps with that you know awareness around where your energy is going
1: uh, and I love that uh, David is Raymond is here says yes 100% as we have finite energy our thoughts are more importantly the quality of our thoughts are imperative in maintaining good energy levels. Absolutely. give up the great work both. Yeah, you too, David. Thanks for, for contributing that. But I love that exercise about energy, in, energy out, and, and what's neutral. Uh, share a little bit more about uh, what you do, the work you do, your ideal client, all of that good stuff.
0: So what I do is I work with uh, women in business and in corporate to understand the impact of the gender code on their lives, in, in their work, in their communities, and in their families. And we do that through uh, like coaching, speaking, workshops and program development programs and then also work with organizations to um, understand the impact of the gender code in their business. Uh, so that they can leverage the power of the high-performing women they already have and attract the right women into their organisation and build their brand and help their culture go from good to great. So I do that also with development programs, uh, speaking presentations for men and women um, with senior leadership teams and uh, other, other teams like leadership teams and individual leaders. So it's a really incredible and rewarding um, way of, to, of bringing more gender balance to not just workplaces but people who take this home into their families and also into their communities.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many studies that have been done worldwide about how, you know, when we get a diverse um people around a a boardroom discussions we bring diverse ideas and it's very difficult to get that diversity especially innovation now which we need to move forward how can we be, be more innovative when it comes to to economy so that we're not so reliant on on areas that have now been completely impacted and 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 you know really challenged with what we're faced globally when we don't have those contributions you know diversity around that table I think we only get half the story in 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 times and we don't get that brain space contributing it can't lead us to places and spaces and thoughts and ideas that we would never have been able to do had we kept doing the same thing a same old same oh it's time to start breaking the code so love that you've come on the show Danielle would there be one last insight that you would want to share with people today before we finish up
0: mm, I would say question everything just question everything question um, and, and try and understand you know what is you know the, the code that, that I'm living by right now and ask if it makes sense anymore and if it doesn't then you can make choices. You can decide whether you want to keep parts of the code that you value and love and that there might be parts that you want to delete and then there's new parts of a code you want to create. And when you become a you, you know learn how to write code in your own code, you can write and execute your own unique code that works for you.
1: Well, here's to writing your own unique code. because so I think once you do, you actually contribute even more impactfully and more in a much more empowering way, don't you, to your community, um, which is wonderful. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. This
0: podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's the influencealliance.com slash podcast series.